Hello, this is Jane Stavum, Superintendent of the Sioux Falls School District, and this is our podcast. Join us for an audible look inside the Sioux Falls School District, where we'll put a spotlight on the people, places, and practices of our district. Welcome to episode three of the Sioux Falls School District podcast. And today, my guest is Patty Lake Torbert, Coordinator of Student Services and Education. Did I get all that right, Patty? Yeah, pretty close. It's quite a, yeah, quite a, a title. Yeah. You know, somebody new in our district, learning everybody's title and making sure that I know all of the critical things that they do is really important to me. And so on our podcast, we're just having conversations and we're characterizing this as kind of conversation rather than presentation. Although you have done some presentations too that I've seen and um, part of your work is making sure that people know what we have for supports, know what our people in our schools do to support our students. And so that's a lot that that you do that's really critical to the well-being of many, many people. So today we're just going to talk about what some of those things are. Some of it is relevant because of COVID, Mm -hmm. and some of it has happened long before COVID made its appearance. So when you think about over the last 10 years even, a lot of things have kind of changed along the way. What we focus on and what we spend time on even in school, we refer to it as social-emotional learning. Talk about some of the things that have evolved over the last few years and why it's important and how we support kids now so that academics are well in place, but other important things are too. Right. I think going back even 20 years ago, I can see a huge change that happened about the turn of, of 2000, 2001, two and three. Back then we were looking so much at what was happening in the classroom, keeping the student on track academically. And if there was some type of mental health issue or just some kind of concern, teachers would certainly engage in that and have that conversation. But it really truly was kind of pushed a little bit more so to the parent, mm-hmm. you know, let the parent engage in that. Um, and you, but then you started to see more of a change of, okay, let's get a counselor involved, or in some cases a social worker involved, mm-hmm. depending upon what system you're in. As time has evolved, I'm seeing teachers doing so much more in the classroom mm-hmm. and, and really taking a huge role in that social-emotional learning Yeah, part. And, and helping so, kids get mm-hmm. connected to supports and the right people who can right. help. And I think for the most part, hopefully feeling a little bit more comfortable mm-hmm. about doing that. I think for, for some it was very scary thinking, oh my gosh, if I say something or if I address it, what will become mm-hmm. of this? Yeah. And instead it's like, okay, yeah, we have to address that. We have to talk mm-hmm. about it. You know, this is, I, I, I have to laugh. I know you talk about 10 years ago and I think about having this conversation with one of the teachers at Washington High School and she said, it's like being a mom. I'm like, it is. It's like being a mom. Watch yeah. your kids. Although sometimes happening. our children don't listen to us <laughs> very well as moms. Some, sometimes so. our students are better. Yeah, exactly. Than they, they listen more than our own kids. <laughs> yeah. I, one of the things that you said that I think is a fundamental thing that's hard for people to distinguish between is the role of a counselor and the role of a social worker. Right. Talk right. about the fundamental differences between those roles and how they work in, in they work collaboration. Right. You know, if you and if you go from, I should preface this with, if you go from school to school or even from state to state, that can look quite different. In our system here, the way it looks is that um, both social workers and counselors play the role of mental health uh, or in that field of mental health. They both have that same training and background to be able to help out students. Um, in our district, social workers tend to be a little bit more uh, on the side of helping to make, the, help meeting the basic needs mm-hmm. of parents. Kind of those um, wraparound supports. It, it is a wraparound, trying to get 
parents and, and, and students to the resources that mm -hmm. they need or bringing it to them in some cases. Um, and the piece that is, I think, probably hugely different for social workers is that they do much more with truancy and with attendance. Mm -hmm. And so that's a little bit of a change up. And so trying to keep reminding people that our social workers still have that mental health, health background um, that they can help families with, but then again, pulling in the resources at all times. Counselors in our district, um, pre-K through 12, are the mental health professionals right there in the building full-time. Mm -hmm. And so they all do follow a curriculum where they go into the classrooms and they work with students in that manner as far as academics and trying to make sure that they're acclimating to school. We talk a lot about career counseling and post-high school planning mm -hmm. as, as, as it continues on through their years. But about 60% of a school counselor's time is spent with direct services, which is either one-on-one -on -one counseling mm -hmm. or group counseling. Yeah. 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 yeah, and I've heard it characterized, too, that counselors often are thinking proactively and preventatively, right. but also having to respond reactively. Right. And right. so, um, you know, I think that's always something. And there's, there's sometimes a stigma attached mm -hmm. with needing support that comes from a counselor or social worker. I think some of that mindset has changed, but I still think there's a long ways to go yeah. in people feeling comfortable ab about their child receiving those services, or they may feel comfortable with it, but they're worried about what other people might think about that. Right. How do we coach parents and families on being okay with that just like we would with a math intervention or a reading intervention, the, the, the supports that counselors and social workers offer are just as important. Is that, you know, I think a lot of people know this, but it's worth saying over and over again, it starts with listening. You know, mm -hmm. it's easy for us to call up a parent or to have a parent come in and have a meeting with us to discuss what are the issues, what are the problems, what needs help. But it starts, hopefully the relationship is starting before that with listening and engaging mm -hmm. with that parent and saying, what is it that you're seeing? Are there any concerns that you have? And li really, truly listening to them. Sometimes they won't say very much. Mm -hmm. Other times they'll say, oh my gosh, thank goodness, there's finally somebody here who's asking those kind of questions. But then getting into what is, what are we seeing in the school system mm -hmm. um, with your child and how we can help, how we don't want to be a barrier. And it is funny because sometimes you'll talk to parents and they'll say, well, you are the barrier. You're, mm -hmm. what's, you're what's what are preventing me from getting my child help. And, and then saying, okay, then tell me about that, explain to yeah. you how we're the barrier and how we can help out. It can be tough with some parents because there is that mindset. My own parents love them dearly, but my own parents have that, you know, don't use that counseling stuff on me. You know, there's always kind of that mentality about, okay, okay. Sure, they were that. thrilled what you went to school for. <laughs> oh, my then. gosh, exactly. And then I think over the years they began to understand mm -hmm. that and say, okay, again, this is help that's needed. Why would we not be open to that? Yeah. You know, and so then looking at parents or working with parents and just letting them know we're here first to listen to you mm -hmm. and really engage in the conversation about how to help your child. And w then let's get to the next part about what are the resources that yeah. we have, just not in the school system, but then in our community. And yeah. we are so, so fortunate in Sioux Falls yeah. to have so many resources. And so that's really helpful. Yeah. yeah. One of the things that I hope we continue to do and that I'll be um, looking at moving forward is how we really proactively help parents and equip parents. And I think about the span of things that happen developmentally with children, having been a parent from um, 
you know, friendship issues and things that happen in third and fourth grade or organizational help. You know, you've got the middle schooler who can't keep track of anything, it feels like. You know, people who have supported my own children in some of those ways. And then in high school, the relationship piece that happens between kids and how they're figuring out how to function as, you know, beginning adults and Mm -hmm. some of the things that go on. And then adding to that the complexity that we all have experienced with kids' ability to really do things secretly. You know, you've got cell phones and you've got online presence and you've got the ability for them to carry on things that are happening that a parent can't just walk into a room and see. They can't walk in and see what's happening for an interaction that might be totally uplifting or completely devastating, and yet you don't have an indicator from your child of really what's going on. How do we help equip parents in this age of complexity of relationships and communication, especially now when we've got such a heavy presence of, of phones and computers? Yeah, it's a, it's a tough one. Everything goes back to relationships. Everything begins with relationships. And so working with parents, um, offering, like you had just said, offering them ideas about how can I connect with my child mm-hmm. at every stage. Because I do think there's this, I, I think I felt this way as a parent. When my children were born, I thought, oh, this is just going to be natural. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, there, there are tough times. And so then being able to, um, for us to be able to reach out to parents and say, here are some ideas of how you can connect with your mm-hmm. children. And sometimes that does not change with age. That kindergartner, just like that senior, needs your time. Mm-hmm. They need to be able to sit down and have that set time with you, um, whether that be every day, maybe it's at yeah. supper time, when, you're, when you yourself as a parent can put aside mm-hmm. all the technology or all the distractions and just focus in on that child. Or maybe, especially as I get older, being able to say, okay, I really need sleep, but you know Mm -hmm. what? If my junior in high school talks at midnight, that's when I'm going to be awake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mine were always in the car. If I could get them with me in the car and we were going someplace, that's when they would talk. Or late at night, it did seem like, you know, when they got home from wherever you'd worried about them being and getting home from, they would spill their guts a little bit when they came in. Yeah. I think that's one of the byproducts of COVID that's maybe been positive is just families kind of being stuck together and having more just time and not even just time together but time together because they're not running every which way with everything else maybe that they've been doing or at least a little bit less you know we've been fortunate in Sioux Falls that some of those kid activities have continued but not all of them and I've heard Mm -hmm. many people say I just stayed home this weekend normally we would be driving here or there for you know, sports or for an activity, and we aren't doing that right now. And it's, it's I think, been a big relief to a lot of people. You know, yeah. I was just going to say something. It's given them permission. Yes. It really has. It's given them yeah. permission um, to say to their child, because there is nothing to say no to. Right. It's to say, let's go do something, or let's spend some time together, or yeah. let's spend some time together doing nothing. I mean, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it really has. I think that we do have a, a, a number of parents that are reevaluating mm-hmm. what their child's time is being taken up with. Yeah. And yeah, I, I think that we'll see that yeah. going forward. It'll be, I think, much more intentional at earlier mm-hmm. ages all the way through. So, yeah. At the same time, I think we also know that during the whole pandemic, we've seen more anxiety. Mm-hmm. Kids mm-hmm. have experienced... You know, last spring it was when they were separated from their peers. It's the daily feeding of the, 
you know, the information itself related to COVID. It's what's going to happen. And I, I always try to think about what would it have been like to process this as a, as a child at, at some age. And depending on, you know, how a family is processing it and the realities that have happened with the actual illness or related to their family, it looks different for every person. How have we um, helped kids cope with this? And what have we seen at a school level that might look different during the pandemic? And, and what have we done about it? You know, I don't think that we can overemphasize how important it was for students to get back into school. I think that we saw last spring a, a lot of anxiety because of kind of the shock of mm -hmm. what uh, things are so bad that we don't have school to that it that it did continue on for the end of the school year. It was so abrupt. Summer, and it it was, was, you know, in one day. Right. right? Yeah. I, I have a funny story about that. My birthday was on the weekend when that was all happening. <laughs> and so my birthday, we actually did get to celebrate it. The very next day, we heard, nope, everything's closing down. And I, and so I, I know I'll always remember mm -hmm. that. But I think about how abrupt that was for just me thinking that and going back and thinking, I think, for students and for yeah. kids, I can't imagine. Yeah. And then the when your frontal anxiety. lobe is not fully yes. developed, <laughs> as we know, that's true yeah, with exactly. our... Our teenagers. Exactly. So I think what happened is that there was all that anxiety mm -hmm. that was building up and being out of a routine. And then when school started, I think there was still a lot of anxiousness right. because school was looking different and relationships had changed up. But then, as we said, guess what? We're not closing down. School is staying open and mm -hmm. we're here for you. Mm -hmm. Then you started to see some of that anxiety go away. And, yeah. and I think what I'm seeing when I visit schools is, and talking to counselors and, and teachers and social workers that are in the school buildings, they keep talking about it's amazing how resilient kids are. I mean, they, they yeah. just, they, they finally were getting into and, and are now getting into that routine where they're accepting that, okay, we're here. And so when, unfortunately, they might have to leave because of either COVID or maybe some other issue, they're not liking it. Right. They're not enjoying it. That's this. when the anxiety it has is. started is what I have heard from yep. families. It all comes back again. Mm -hmm. And so then I think that as adults, we have to remember that sometimes we're, we're putting our feelings and thoughts onto children, and it may not yeah. be there. For, Projecting. For, mm -hmm. We are. We are. You know, I um, have a story of one young lady who said, God, I'm so sick and tired of people saying, oh, I'm so sorry that this is such a horrible year. And that <laughs> and I'm sorry that, you know, you're not getting to do all the normal regular things. And she's like, okay, I feel like people are pitying me. And yeah. it, it's not that bad. It's yeah. not that horrible. I'm making this really good for myself. Mm -hmm. And so I was thinking about her and thinking if her parents instead or the adults in her life instead had said to her, how are things going? Instead of saying, I'm so sorry things are so yeah. horrible, she would have been able to say, okay, you're not quite as bad as what right. maybe your life is. Right. <laughs> you know, maybe as an adult, your life is really tough. Mm -hmm. And it's okay to share that with our kids, what we're thinking and how we're feeling. But like you had just said, mm -hmm. but not to project that onto our kids. Yeah. They, they, they don't need that. They, they need us, again, to go back to listening and hearing them yeah. and how things are going. So Such yeah. a fine line between listening and hearing, isn't it? It is. It is. And, you know, I think, too, kids are very aware of related factors if a business is on the verge of closing or financial difficulties have mm -hmm. been part of our family scenario and just wondering when is it mm -hmm. going to be over i think for everybody that's one of the hardest things is when is this going to end because it's not like anything we've dealt with really before there's been tragedies and you know tornadoes and floods and those right. kinds of things but those dissipate much more quickly than what this has and i think if I was a child, I would just kind of wonder, but yet it it normalizes somehow along the way right. too. You know, masks. Everybody has been 
you know, talking about masks, but if you walk down our halls, our kids are just wearing a mask and they really don't think twice about Wasn't it. Wasn't it just amazing? Yeah. I mean, truly how quickly that normalized and they were accepting of that and how quickly they're going to go back the other way. Once yes. they don't have to wear masks, they're going to be, oh my gosh, yeah. this yeah. is free. Now, the next thing. But, mm-hmm. Right, right. I, I, sometimes I do, I, I feel bad because I do know that um, because of COVID, we mm-hmm. can't have family or I guess parents or family members yeah. coming into the school system, community members coming into the community system, um, coming into our schools. But I do wish that they could see that. Yeah. How normal that is and how though many of us don't like it. Yeah. We're okay. We can acclimate. Yeah. yeah. Well, kids yeah. have done a much better job yes, of just have. going about their uh, business. Of just, of just persevering. <laughs> I mean, they yeah. are. They're so much better at persevering yes. than we are. So no, that is true. Um, the last topic and we'll hopefully then end on a very positive note (laughs) but I think when we have you here to tied into all of this is of course a much bigger focus on students who may exhibit signs of self-harm or maybe um, thinking about harming themselves of course worst case scenarios when a student takes their own life and I think one of the scariest things for parents you know it seems like back you know when I was a kid that that might have happened once or very rarely or if it did you know it was kind of assumed that it was a person people already knew was troubled or you know whatever connotation was applied whereas now I think we see more incidents when we didn't have some of those warning signs that we might have thought were typical Mm -hmm. Um, you might and maybe they're seen and maybe they aren't but then sometimes we just don't have an inkling that's a really scary thing for a parent and a family member and for kids with each other right and I think part of that again goes back to kind of that whole hidden world that kids can participate in but we want parents to have boundaries we want them to have rules for their kids we want them to hold their students accountable yet um, I think there's always kind of that underlying fear as a parent what if what if I'm not aware of something that's going on with my child and I do something that's going to push them um, to a place where I don't know they're in a in a bad place. Right. What do we tell parents to look for? How do we equip parents? You know, like you said, the relationship side is so important. But mm-hmm. what do we want parents to know when they're really thinking about some of those heavy duty things that our kids are experiencing? Are there. Yeah. I, I like what you had said about setting those boundaries because I think setting those boundaries also means that as a parent you're being very intentional mm-hmm. about if I'm going to set these boundaries, I'm going to what what is a, course the relationship that I have with my child do I do I do I feel like my child and do I know that my child those are two different things mm-hmm. they're telling me what's going on in their world it's okay to make that assumption that they're not it's okay as a child is growing up to realize that they are their own human being their own yeah. person and how do I get into that world and how do I become a part of that world so I know that so mm-hmm. when we're looking at when we're talking about social media um, and what um, relationships that they have be a part about that make mm-hmm. that huge and it's hard to do right now you know mm-hmm. inviting last year i said invite them into your home you know the friendships find out who they are when your child's going someplace you're the one who gets to drop them off and get to know the relationships that they have in the world now that we don't have that then it is much more important that you're finding out what is going on with them social media wise and talking to mm-hmm. them when they're on their xbox sit down right beside them yep yep play with them or listen to them or start engaging and what's funny about that is that you're going to be that parent too that's going to start engaging with other friends mm-hmm. that are on xbox and how important it is to have those connections with that i think 
we, I would be really remiss not to say that, you know, I'm trying to make this sound positive, uh, um, how resilient and, and how students persevere, without saying that we do have a lot of kids that even before this had a lot of anxiousness and had, mm -hmm. had um, possibly depression that are going on in their life. And for some, there were those warning signs that we probably could either we could see things happening or they were gradually happening. It was hard to, hard to notice. The things you do want to look at as a parent is you want to see what are the changes that have happened to them, mm -hmm. both physically, um, what are the changes that are happening? Are they not taking care of themselves maybe quite as much as they used to? Are they, um, are they spending more time, which all of us are maybe, on social media or on um, playing games and connecting with um, other students that way? Are they not doing that anymore? Yeah, withdrawing. Because sometimes we talk, mm -hmm. they withdraw from that. And so then what are they doing with their time and knowing that? I think it's also important that we have those conversations with our kids. And like you said, trying to find out what works for them. Yeah. You know, if, if my child is staying up for a few hours past when I go to bed, what are they doing a few mm -hmm. hours past bed? Um, and if they have their phone and they're in bed and they're just on that phone the whole time, what's happening you yeah. know, on that phone? So Which even leads sure to sleep deprivation and some of those healthy right. habits that get yeah. compromised because of some of the things that kids engage yeah. in now. And, um, and adults. And, and <laughs> continually um, looking at taking care of your child's health, like yeah. you were saying. You know, nutrition. Uh, so, so I think of nutrition. I think about getting outside. One thing that we know has been happening is that um, parents haven't been taking their children in for their, their doctor appointments. Mm -hmm. Get back into that routine. It's amazing at how, so many times how many things come out at a doctor's visit. Yeah. And so getting back into those routines and engaging with your teachers. Mm -hmm. um, one thing I will say that I've heard from a lot of staff is it's amazing how much more engagement they are having with parents. Mm, that's because great. They're doing it through email. Or they're, yeah. If they're younger ages, maybe they're doing it through Seesaw. Um, Google Classroom at those older ages. They yeah. are seeing that engagement and do that as a parent. We still know that there's going to be parents that are overwhelmed with the, their, the things that are going mm -hmm. on in their own life. You know, we talk about um, kind of the food insecurity that we may yeah. have here in Sioux Falls or people losing their jobs and that type of thing. Don't hesitate to reach out. Reach out to a staff member here at school, whether it be a teacher, whether it be an administrator, whether mm -hmm. it be a counselor or a social worker. Do that. Reach out and say, you know what, I'm unsure. I just don't know what's happening. Can you, can you talk to my child or can you yeah. tell me what you're seeing in the classroom? It's, it's your job. Yeah. 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 And parents are experts on their children. And mm -hmm. um, you got to yes, listen to your gut. When you know yes. something might be going on, don't stop with a simple one word answer from your child. Dig deeper and, yeah. and really um, pursue them or, or get partners in that process. Exactly. And, and don't feel bad about it. Don't feel guilty right. like I should. Like you said, we know our children best. I should be able to handle this. I should this. be able to handle it. Yeah. That's the part that needs to go away. Yeah. Uh, nowhere, nowhere does it say that you need to handle this by yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody's yeah. alone in the work with kids, and that's, that's right. I think, one that's of right. the the most important things. And I will say, as somebody new to this community, mm -hmm. it's one of the things I love the most about Sioux Falls is there are partnerships at every turn because people care deeply about our children. Whether we term them as students or kids or children, they are the youth of Sioux Falls. And so I want to thank you for the way you connect um, the resources and the people in our schools who care deeply for them in some of those um, most important ways and support the work of our teachers and the academics that we also are doing, but the ways that we Absolutely. connect our community partners. And one of my yeah. biggest concerns is that when we haven't been able to have people in our buildings that they're going to stay connected as mentors and volunteers. So we need everybody to 
hold on until we can open the doors back up wide and figure out the virtual uh, connections as much as we can. But we are going to need you to come back in those buildings and be with our kids because they need everybody. So thank you, Patty Lake Torbert. Thanks for all you you do. It's been a joy to get to know you. And we have great things ahead here in Sioux Falls Public Schools. Yes, we do. Thank you.